0: Awesome. Robert Vogel, thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. So I just want to take it from the very beginning, man. Um, I saw your profile on Instagram. Uh, we had to get you on. Uh, you got a really cool profile when it comes to, to shooting handguns. So let's just start there. I mean, um, coming out of high school, I think you mentioned you're interested in law enforcement um, and also shooting pistols. So, you know, just, just tell us how you got started.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I I grew up on a farm in Ohio. I was a little boy. There wasn't much to do. You know, I was back really before the Internet and all that. So I was always into hunting and shooting. And and I got about 15. I got into John Wayne, Dirty Harry, pretty heavy, actually watching that stuff on TV, which got me interested in uh, handguns and wanting to be a cop. So I got out of high school from the law enforcement side of things. I went into like a two-year academy program, got out, got hired at 21. I pretty much did all my 20s as a full-time cop. Um, I started the, the competition thing about the same time uh, in the academy right out of high school. You know, just reading. I read all the gun magazines back then. Mm-hmm. So I heard this thing called IDPA and USPSA, got got into that. And I uh, just, man, I just never stopped. I was just real gung ho from the beginning and was able to dwell. And um, first, you know, the whole competitive shooting thing, the first five to seven years for me, was, was just a total hobby like this for most people turn all my money on bullets and matches stuff like that and then got to the point where I, I did well you know won a bunch of stuff and, and get to the point where I'm getting some sponsors breaking even uh people started when I did well at nationals ended up international a few years in people started asking me to do classes and it just kind of slowly became a second job and so I'm, I'm 39 now and I, I left full-time law enforcement when I was 30 to do the whole shooting thing as, as a living and so I spent about nine years and that's, that's worked out pretty well I travel around a lot, I teach a lot of classes, and sell some stuff, and, yeah, but, uh, yeah. That's cool. So, was it mostly, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say, so, yeah, most of my life has been, you know, very involved in shooting in one form or another. Was it mostly self-taught? Um, yeah, I I learned a lot, I say, indirectly from others, so, I mean, I read a lot of books, I watched a lot of videos, I observed people from a distance, I, I really didn't go to many classes back then i there wasn't as nearly as much out there and uh, i didn't really have the opportunity as much either when Mm -hmm. i was a police officer i had to work every weekend so i literally never had weekends off unless i used vacation so that was that was harder to deal with too but i just you know i became a a student of the art and i just i've always been fascinated with it since i was a kid i'm known a lot for the competition thing but my initial interest was definitely you know, more along the lines of, of you know self defense and whatnot. I've always had a practical mindset to it, so
0: right. um, I, I still think very much along those lines. Is why pistols? Was that just mostly because that's you were a cop and you that's what you had on you?
1: Yeah, I honestly I think from the beginning it's because I wasn't allowed to have a pistol. I was allowed to have a shotgun and a rifle. Like nine years old, I was hunting squirrels with a shotgun by myself. Yeah um but a handgun is you know it is a little more dangerous it's easier to have an accident with my dad mm-hmm. said oh you know you can't have one of these so naturally that's what i wanted
0: yeah and well, you know
1: i guess just into the whole yeah like i said the whole dirty dirty thing the cowboys the handgun was always kind of a cool thing and, and nobody really knew how to shoot a handgun where i came from it was kind of a novelty like people had one but i never really knew anybody really knew how to shoot one well so i just so i just
0: my bad um uh, so yeah so What's, so what kind of handgun did they give you in the, in the force? Well, I mean, my, that- first, my, first,
1: my first handgun, I, I learned on revolvers, really, since about 15, 16, 17. I got a um, first automatic was a Beretta. And then at the beginning, you had to buy your own in the academy. I, I shot a Beretta 96, the 40 for a while. And then I, then I shot an HK k 45, USP expert. That's what I used through the academy. When I got hired... At uh yeah, 21, 22 full time. We had an issue gun. A lot of departments would still do that. So it was a, it was a Sig Pro 2340, like a, a cheap Sig. Okay. Wasn't the biggest fan of it. But that's that's what I carried for most of my, you know, normal cop career. I was on the SWAT team for, we had a joint county SWAT team. Now there you got carry whatever you liked. So mm-hmm. it ended up being a Glock 35 most of the time. So I, I shot a number of different guns earlier on, and then I, I really since 2005, I've I've primarily shot Glocks. With what i'm your doing. Favorite,
0: favorite build, or favorite kind of kind of weapon. You think?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for speed shooting, for practical shooting, if if it was more slow fire, bullseye type stuff, I actually would shoot some other guns a little better. Mm-hmm. But the bore axis of the the Glock is is so low; it sits low in your hands. And when you're really running that gun, shooting fast, um, I can just track it better. I can get a little bit higher grip with that support hand. So I just I just found that's what worked the best for me. It's not what's going to work the best for everybody, but it's it's what worked the best for
0: me. Always reliable too
1: yeah i mean it's it's obviously it's most popular law enforcement gun out there as you know as a whole glock is and it's you know they work their lesser parts um i've learned to work on them right away by myself doing my own gunsmithing and stuff that was a big thing i had some stis i would, like i'd have to you know have problems with them have to send them off to gunsmith for two weeks and and you know i couldn't have that really got a glock figured out how to do it on my own and if I, had it, if I had a problem i take it in my little shop and take around with it, go back out on the range, and
0: yeah, I, get I think it figured out. on your on your Instagram, talk about you had like thirty one actual Glocks and not a single misfire in like over okay, forty thousand rounds. That's insane. yeah,
1: I think the the post there was there was a couple guns I had actually done some mod- my own modifications to where I added weight to the slide, and and between those two particular guns, I can't remember what the round count was. It was a lot of rounds without a single malfunction. That's insane. So. Yeah. You know, you get, get them set up. You figure out what works, you know, the springs and this and that and the loads, and, mm-hmm. and then they, you know,
0: just run for the most part. Do you normally put optics on your, your handguns, or you normally just run up just with irons?
1: I'm um, really traditionally shot irons for the most part. I mean, I've got a few guns with optics that, especially back when I started, it was definitely never a thing.
0: Right. Except
1: with an actual, like, open gun. So I still primarily shoot irons. It's just really what I'm comfortable with. Um, when you do, I, I tell anybody, like, when you do some of the slower fire accuracy type stuff and, and you make the targets farther and harder, mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, everybody's going to shoot better with a dot. Um, but when you get some of the closer, faster, medium range stuff, in my opinion, you kind of have to be at a certain level to take advantage of the dot. Uh, I yeah. see a lot of guys that, that are just slower on some of the closer, easier stuff because they don't have the index there. And um, they're just, yeah, they're not finding the dot, especially on, like awkward positions leaning or something or going low position or shooting strong hand or support hand. Um, so I, I've got nothing against them, obviously. I mean, and they're, they're kind of the wave of the future, but I've I really just feel still a little more comfortable overall with, with irons on my guns. It's what I'm used to.
0: Yeah. Kind of more of a classic look too. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: it's it's going to be obviously as far as durability and and holding up. I mean, just don't have to worry about them. I mean, they, yeah. even a few dots that I've got, you should go out and shoot them, you you bump them around, and then you check them a month later. Like, oh, this is this is a little bit off, or you know, yeah. something. So you, you got that to deal with. But
0: are you a uh, nine mm nine millimeter guy?
1: Um, at nine and forty, honestly. In the competition world, it, it depends. You will shoot a forty because of the rules in, in a certain, certain divisions just because of how it scores. Uh, so I, I pretty much, I would say I shoot pretty equally at nine and a 40 throughout the year. Actually I carry, if I carry, carry it's it's, it's a 40. It's just, it's, you know, it's just a little more pop. Most people are going to shoot a nine better. Probably pretty much everybody, everybody is going to shoot a nine a little better, a little less recoil. A lot of places are going back to them, but um, you know I'm, I'm comfortable with a 40 and, and in my mind, I, I, you know, it's just got a little bit more pop and if you're actually trying to shoot something stop something kill something, yeah. you know, a little more pop if you, if you can if you can still shoot it a little more pops a little better.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you think that matters a whole lot, you know, what caliber it is when it comes to I mean, music? I
1: don't think it matters a lot. I think obviously what matters so much is your ability to to shoot with that gun and, and the placement of the shot is, you know, is definitely. what's going to matter overall the most, but you know, if it's one of those where it doesn't really make that much difference to you. I mean, you know, if you shoot them both comfortably, then, you know, what, why not, you know, have something that's just, just a, little bit more, a little bit more powerful.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you're doing competitive shooting while you're in the police. Were they teaching you how to do any of that kind of stuff? I know at least nowadays it seems like police training is, you know, nothing special just from the people I've spoken to. That were, yeah. You know- Poli- yeah. yeah. The police training
1: type of stuff is 100% totally separate any of the competition stuff I've ever done. I mean, I found that all on my own, did it all on my own. I, I I, never had, there was never any kind of like a connection or, you know, helping out from the police department. Cause yeah, your average police training is very basic. I, I tell people, I don't mean to insult it, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty much made to where your average guy, the standard is made to where your average guy can never practice, pick up a gun once a year, and the vast majority of people can still pass. Um, if, if they made it harder than that, then it's just, you know, you're gonna have to end up having pay people overtime. You have to give them ammo, and, and it's all about money. With you know, about everywhere, right? So people don't want to do that. And at the end of the day, you know, it, you can't. It's hard to force a passion on somebody. Right. So you'd almost think when I was eighteen, nineteen, going into the academy, I thought, well, yeah, I wanted to be a cop in large part because I liked guns and whatnot. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah. But uh, I, I thought people were similar, but found out. Not really. I, I guess earlier on, when people were younger, they may a little interest, but then as far as being a cop, you get in there a year or two, you know, whatever. Life happens, and that gun just becomes another thing hanging off your hip that you got to qualify with once a year. And, and it's really probably 95% of cops. I'm not trying to put them down, but that's just what it is. I mean, the vast majority of them are not really, from what I've seen, are not really going to go out and, and do too much on their own, their own time and their own money. To get better why do you think uh, that I mean I, I there's a lot of reasons I think at the end of the day I think it's because deep down I think they, they probably feel like oh, it probably won't matter I mean mm-hmm. if you if you did the math the odds of being in a shootout as a cop in the United States it's going to be a lot more some places than others but it's pretty low a lot of people that you know, they think it's higher than what it is I mean Especially a lot of places, you could work for 25 years and very easily work for 25 years as a cop and never really be in a gunfight. I mean, that happens the, the vast majority, if not the vast majority of the, of the time. And so, even even if you are, I mean, it's it's just I think it's just kind of a you know denial thing at the end of the day. Thinking, ah, it probably won't matter. Same thing about being in shape, you mm-hmm. know, being able to fight stuff like that, right? It's it's the same thing, like, yeah if you knew it would matter in the competition, being like, you know, it matters. I know I'm going on this match. I'm going to be on a list of hundreds of guys from number one, all the way down to the last one. My name is going to be on there. Everybody's going to see that. And there's no escaping that. I know that. Yeah. And uh, it makes you push and makes you work for it.
0: I completely and agree. And
1: so, yeah, I, there's different theories. I, I think at the end of the day, I, I just think most cops in the back of their mind, whether they realize it or not, think that it probably won't matter. He's getting and a lot of times,
0: probably won't. You're just getting too comfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, yeah. And, and until you have something happen, um, I mean, I, will say, I won't say a whole lot, but I will say like the department I worked for, we had, it was after I left full time. This has probably been uh, six, seven years ago or something like that. We had a, wow. a shoot, a big shoot. I mean, a full out gunfight through town type of stuff, ARs, and bad guy got killed and one of our officers got shot and. And as a whole, like, the department, after that, seemed to, like, okay, take it a little more seriously. Like, I, I just know they, they consulted me a little bit more about, okay, well, we you know. A lot of times, it's just kind of how it is. It's like nothing happens and nothing happens. And then when something happens, um, people, like, paying attention a little bit more. So, that's, that's how it seems to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you were in charge of the police department just across the United States or the world or, or whatever, what would you – train these people i mean just from the people i've spoken to like i said i mean that, that have you know served in the police it just seemed like there's a the lack of you know dynamic training where it's yeah you know, yeah and, you know there's more dynamic situations it's just it's it seems like it's kind of the training is almost kind of black and white when everything else is just you know we live in a crazy world right now you know what i mean like yeah you, yeah what,
1: well i mean i, I think obviously I, don't know, I was in charge and again there's a lot of issues you know, like as far as being a chief of police or something that would be, you know, with city council, how much money you got, overtime, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's it's getting your guys out there and and training. And and depends on the department. I mean, at the bare minimum, some departments qualify once a year. So if an officer does nothing on his own, he's literally got to go, go to the range and shoot his 25 or 50-round qual or whatever it is and uh, that's all he's got to do so I mean I, I think it would be figuring out okay we're we're going to do more than that we're going to do whatever it can be you know uh, quarterly four times a year or maybe maybe more if possible like everybody mandatory, you're going to go to the range you know have one of the fire instructors or whatever obviously he's going to have some stuff set up and just at least get people to go to the range and and shoot and, and then and it's not just live fire shoot on the range it's it's the force on first ammunition type stuff I mean any anything like that uh, just simply you know doing more doing more of that and right. making that a, a priority for other things. Right. So, uh, and then some places are going to be able to do that a lot more than others as far as a lot of it again comes down to money, comes down to whoever's in charge, how much they want to do that. Um, that. that probably makes the biggest difference right there. is whoever's in charge if it's if it's kind of a gun guy or a guy that's actually you know, into that stuff a little bit more, he, he's going to push his department to do that. If, it, if it's not, then it's, it's not going to happen. And do you that
0: think, it, is, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I just could. Yeah, you think that change, if you were to do that, you think that would cost more money, or you think that would just be able to happen with, you know, there's better leadership with, you know, bigger- I
1: mean, it, 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 I guess it wouldn't necessarily. Have to cost more money. Usually, I mean, it's going to cost some. I guess we're going to get guys out there. Obviously, you're going to have to, you know, come up with more ammo That's is going to be shot and and probably probably have to pay some guys over time So, right I think. I mean, a lot of times the money is maybe used as an excuse uh for just not wanting to do it. Yeah. So, but I, I think if you know, if somebody wanted to do it, as far as somebody being in charge, they they, they could do it.
0: Yeah. You know, definitely. And it's.
1: A lot of times it comes down to, you know, just the guys limit apart. I mean, if you get uh, a little more of the guys that are into that and pushing it and, like, gung-ho about it, then they're more likely to do it. If you get, you know, some guy I want to say the old guys, some, some of the guys just, just aren't into it. They're, they're going to they're bitch about it. They're going to complain. Uh, and then it's just going to go kind of that way. I mean, I, I'm just off top of my head thinking of a lot of the guys that I've known and worked with over the years, and some of them are a lot more receptive to that thing than others
0: so yeah. i agree with what you said earlier like, I, agree, I, I definitely agree with what you said earlier about making it public to not necessarily to the, the the public but with all the other officers that are in the department i think that would definitely yeah yeah to see who's who's doing as far
1: what. As, yeah yeah well and a lot of you know there's different arguments on all that people don't like with the police squad it's typically a you know the pass fail type thing so there's it's not like there's some list. Okay. You know, we're going to give an award best shooter. We're going to recognize them. Yeah. We're going to like, you know, that, that pretty much never happens. It's like, you can be the best shooter in the department, the worst in the department, you're going to get nothing Actually, you're going to get no recognition. And mm-hmm. you know, that's usually how it's going to be. I mean, people are going to know that was department. So there's like a pride thing, but right. um, there's not a lot of competition, you know, with that i think within most departments right that makes sense you think there should be um uh, i think a little bit of that like I, I encourage it and granted i mean that's what i do so of uh, course you know somebody like me that's going to do well would would want that right. but uh, I, I i i did that i mean i was the fire instructor for my department for a while and 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 one of the, one of the two ones on the swap team so I would typically, when we did training, have some kind of a challenge. Like, Okay, we're timing you and we're going to score this and we're going to see who's doing the best. I mean, it's it's nothing more. You're not going to get anything out of it other than – but you are – it is a competition. Right. As opposed to not at all. So guys tend to push themselves a little bit more and try to do a little better if that's that's the case.
0: How important is, you know, your draw and the, you know, fundamentals of – shooting and being proficient at just you know where your bot how your body moves and you know your grip how important is that in a life or death situation like that in the in law enforcement and in competitive shooting yeah i mean
1: that's a good question uh, obviously i mean competitive shooting it's it's probably more of a factor because it's it's more on on skill i wouldn't say it's all about skill there's other factors the mental side of competition the stress and all that stuff but as, as a cop i mean it it can matter and it cannot matter. What what, I, what we found, what I found is a lot of times, what probably the most in most situations is just simply how good of a decision maker is and how they deal with pressure and stress and just hand experience, handling situations. So, kind of what, what we found is in a lot of the situations, as far as real life death type things, if it was just like one bad guy, pretty close, you know, distance wise, the, the the outcome, the, sh- the skill set of the shooter didn't make as much difference in determining the outcome of that situation. What Where it did was when you started to get um, more distance, um, multiple bad guys, moving targets, uh, when you started to have that, then a guy that was a good shooter, you, you saw more of a diff- difference in the results. I mean, as far as hitting the, hitting the bad guy and, and making it happen. Um. So, I mean, it's obviously, obviously it's always important, your skills, but it's going to be more important in some situations than others. Um, but it is just one piece of the pie. I mean, it will, it is as, as a cop, I mean, just learning to deal with chaos. Right. Was, I remember being 21, getting hired and showing up to my first calls. And it's like, Oh my God, everybody's yelling and screaming. And like, it's, it's, it was a little intimidating. Lovely. And I saw these guys that yeah. were a little bit older than me at the time. Right. And they're, they've done this right they took charge you go over here you do this or whatever it is and you could tell like man i was i was like wow he knows how to deal with this Mm -hmm. no i i mean took me i would say probably kind of felt like it took me a good maybe four or five years to get to the point as a cop where i felt i could pretty much handle about anything and so there's there's that whole side of things too um that's obviously separate from the
0: from the shooting skills Right. I mean, what do you think are the three most important skills for someone that's either carrying, it's a police officer, you know, what are the three most important skills that people just need to hammer on um, that way, you know, because so, I mean, your adrenaline's going, you're not doing yeah. a whole lot, you're just executing. Uh, yeah. You've got to be prepared. You have to have some kind of training behind you, you know, or practice. Yeah. To be able to are are
1: you talking just just like sheer shooting skills? Yeah, um, that,
0: Yeah, that or, you know. I know a lot of people that listen to this carry. So, I mean, in that kind of situation, um, you know, God forbid you have to use your weapon. I mean, what are the yeah. most important things just coming, I mean, you know about this more than anybody I know pretty much. So, um, what are the three most important things people just need to hammer on when it comes to um, practicing? Like, driving? Yeah. Well, if,
1: yeah, if you're talking about, you know, shooting, shooting stuff. You know, like I said, I think the most important thing is just being able to handle a situation and, and read the situation and be able to to do what you do what you got to do. Because it's you you think about stuff beforehand. You think, okay, you play things out in your head. And this is a bad guy, and he's got a gun, and he's got a knife, and he's this far away. I'll do this. But there's, there's so many variables in in real life, and it's just right. it's like you just don't know. So that's kind of that's kind of a, a different conversation altogether. But like as far as like going to the range and practicing shooting um like the, the the three most important things to be able to shoot a handgun well I, the number one hardest thing about shooting a handgun is trigger control um being able especially when you're shooting fast simply being able to i think a long spiel about it in my classes but simply being able to to work the trigger finger you know as you're shooting without moving your other fingers and the rest of the hand which which moves the gun all over the place right. that's what most people have trouble with so spend a lot of time on that um obviously like you know the, the grip, how you hold the gun, control the gun, makes a lot of difference. Having yourself trained well enough, even if you don't think about it instinctively, you grab that gun, it comes into your hand the right way. Um, knowing it and doing it, two different things. And uh, I'd say those two. And then a third, I would say, especially like with, with iron sight guns, which is the majority of what's out there yet, being able to... Once you get past a certain distance, a certain distance it's just point shooting, target focus. It's kind of a human instinct, no brainer type thing. But when you start getting out there a little bit, the, the ability to actually look at your sights while you're shooting a target and make the hits. I think a, a lot of people are not trained well enough that if boom, there's, there's a bad guy shooting at him at 25 yards, the, the instinct seems to be to, to whip that pistol out and you just watch all the, the, the videos and that's typically what it looks like I'm seeing is like the oh shit factor and then the guy the good guy you know pulls pulls his gun out and starts shooting the bad guy about as fast as he can right whether he's training like that or not and he's he's typically now he's looking at the target pointing the gun pulling the trigger and get beyond a certain distance you're not going to consistently get hits on a target beyond a certain distance unless you have a little bit of that discipline to okay you know watch watch that front sight i've been in just even in when you're in range or something you're going through it even in a and you get jacked up and you a couple of heel targets or something and you swing over and you're shooting at them and you're missing them mm-hmm. and two or three times and then you realize why well, you're missing them I'm looking at the damn target I'm not looking at this. And the minute you realize it, okay visually you just simply look at that front sight it's on the target bang you make the shot mm. and yeah, so that and the, the that, that that's tough especially pushing fast and going for time and you have pressure and all that stuff so but, yeah, I don't know if I didn't – those the hammer, like three fundamental shooting things. Yeah, trigger control and, and the ability to watch the sights while
0: you're shooting at, at a high speed That's a good is what point. I would say. Yeah, I, never, I never really thought about that a whole lot because you think people are just looking at the actual target and not, like, actually yeah. shooting the sights? Yeah, th- th-
1: that's, that's the natural human instinct. I mean, the more that is happening at the target, the more you're instinctively going to want to look at it. When you shoot paper targets, you're just punching little holes in there. So there's not a lot to look at. Even when you go from paper to steel, there's more happening. The steel target falls down, splatters more. So I I just noticed that even between paper and steel targets on a regular range, how people have trouble with steel a little bit more. And then the ultimate would be somebody out there shooting back at you, right? So that, I mean, it's just going to draw your eyes to it. And it's not that you can't look at the target because you're going to still see the target. You got to be able to, to bring a little bit of that vision back to that gun. And and again, especially if the range is is a little bit further out there, uh be able being able to aim fast. Yeah. Right? And and pulling the trigger fast is not really that hard. Most people can do that. But yeah, controlling the gun, controlling the gun, getting to, get, to come back to the same spot, and then being able to to somewhat see your sights. Be able to see that front sight come up and down, mm-hmm. maybe four or five, six times in a second. I mean that's 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 hard to do. A lot of people a lot of people never really get used to shooting fast enough to where they they're comfortable with that at all they, they just learn to shoot slow and a lot a lot of the law enforcement that's probably the one knock i have on a lot of the that is a lot of things are run under par time so like if they give you a drill and you know, they'll just say okay do this under eight seconds and it it doesn't matter if you do it in seven seconds or four seconds it's the same it's the same it's all about the hits which if you do it that way, you're not rewarding somebody that can get the same hits faster. And the competition stuff, the one thing, the scoring system does reward speed. So, you're, mm-hmm. in essence, your score is your time. If you keep right. everything in you know, center zone, there's no time added, right? So, right. if I do it in four seconds, or 4.29 or whatever, that's my score. 4.29, somebody else has it in seven, whatever, same hits, theirs is a seven. There's a lot better than a seven. Mm-hmm. So it's it's rewarded and then you're always you're always pushing. You're always trying to be, you know, go faster and get the same hits.
0: Yeah, I saw a crazy video on you uh on your Instagram shooting like I think it was four or five targets in like one under a second. It's crazy. Oh the the two uh the two steals, the two on each? Yeah. I think maybe. Yeah. That
1: one took me some that, that was uh yeah, that one took me a few takes for sure. That's that was scary. one of those where That's going scary. just going you know, all out and hooking up. But yeah, that was, that was tough there. That was a hard one.
0: That's cool though. I mean, how important do you think it is? Um I know it's very important in competitive shooting. I know that's, you know, moving around is, you know, the game in addition to actually shooting, obviously Um, how important do you think it is to be able to move and actually practice when you're, you know, just for people who are trying to become more proficient. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think
1: it's, I definitely think it's important, and I, I teach that quite a bit in my classes. Um, when you think about it, it's just the majority of the time people go to the range, they stand in one spot, exactly. and they stand there and shoot at targets. And when you throw movement into it, and it, it can be shooting on the move, or it can just simply be moving from point A to point B to point C, you know, moving, stepping, shooting, there, there's a lot of things that are happening there. You know, your body's moving, you got to step a certain way, and um, it's just flat out harder. I mean, I, I take a lot of people that don't do that, they are good shooters still. And then it's just like, okay, run here, shoot these run here, shoot these sort of thing. And you, you can tell that actually it really suffers because they're not doing that. You have all these other factors. So, so definitely think it's important. And I, I, um, I do a, a decent amount of that in my, in my classes just to get people come with it. That is one thing that I will typically say that I can usually tell the difference between competitive shooters and, and non-competitive shooters because you get you get some non-competitive shooters that are really good shooters usually when you start taking those guys and and throwing some wild stuff out there like um having them do a lot of moving and, and position to position right or moving targets and stuff like that that's usually where i don't see a lot of people outside the competitive arena that practice that a lot uh that's that's really where you see kind of a a separation difference um because you know we do that a lot in in the competition stuff
0: definitely um so let's talk about your classes let's talk about vocal dynamics what is it who's it for um let's talk about that sure i mean vocal dynamics is is essentially i mean
1: uh i said 2012 is when i left the pd to to do everything full time i was doing it for quite a while before that I teach a lot of classes. I have a uh, I got a private range of basically behind my house in in Ohio do a lot of private stuff there. I, I like I grew up here on the farm. We got some land around here and um it works pretty well. And I I travel a lot. I'm all over the country. I go to different countries and just kind of wherever wherever it takes me. Um and I teach I teach a variety of people. I mean, I teach practical shooting, so uh the, the tactics and the mindset are different amongst, you know, competition and, and self-defense law enforcement type stuff, mm-hmm. but the shooting skills are the same, you know, and that's primarily what I'm teaching. So it's a mixture of, you know, cops, military guys, um, and and competitive shooters. A lot of guys are, there's a pretty good mix. I mean, the, the, the majority of the competitive shooters that I've ever known or taught also, you know, their still carry license and, and carry, you know, for that, so it's it's not it's not as much one or the other I think as a lot of people would think. So so yeah, I'm primarily teaching a lot of classes. I do have some products. I mean, I have my own sites Had five five six years um, for Glocks. Um, yeah. They got they got a uh, iron sights with a fiber optic front, and it's, it's, the fiber optic is a little tall. It's a little bit uh, more at the top of the sight, and the rear notch is a little wider and a little deeper. So it's it's a little different. Gives you it's all about vision being able to see them fast, um, and recoil. So, and I sell those and got some, uh, the the vocal trigger from glocktriggers.com. That's, that's, um, a product on there too. And, um, but yeah, mostly, you know, some, some products and, and traveling around, teaching a lot of classes. Awesome. And I'm still, I am still competing. I don't do it as much as I used to. My focus definitely shifted more. I've done it about 20 years now. And, uh, you know, I've just – I've just not shot as of many matches. I've had some injuries and whatnot in the last couple of years. I'm still I'm, – I'm doing right, But the focus is definitely a bit more on, on the teaching and the traveling the classes as opposed
0: to the matches these days. Awesome. Um, what are some of the, the biggest skills that people, once they take your class, they walk out, you know, having after working with you?
1: Yeah, obviously a lot of it depends on on where they're starting out at. Um, when you take a lot of, like, cops and whatnot, that, that have never really pushed for speed. Um, it's a little more eye-opening with those guys because they've done the whole part-time type thing. And when you're, you're putting them on the clock and, and, and you know, scoring them like that. A lot of things I do, it, it is scored. And that's what I tell people when you go out and practice, I tell people do something that's measurable. Something, you know, Hit, these are your hits, this is your time, this is your score. That's, that's not a competition only thing. That's, that's a way to measure your performance. Yeah. If you're just going out and just blasting and shooting, which is what I think a lot of people do, they're not really measuring anything. They're not pushing to get better. You go out, you do something, you shoot, okay, this this is what I got. Now, the second, third, fourth, fifth time I do that, I'm trying to beat that. Yeah. And if you if you operate, you don't have to do everything like that, but if you operate under like that for the most part, you're, you're gonna push yourself, you're gonna get you're gonna get better. So I think especially guys that have never competed at all, it's it's the whole Speed aspect and realizing, okay, I, I can actually shoot this quite a bit faster. Um, I do some stuff with moving targets. If there's a swinger available, that's probably mm-hmm. probably the most eye-opening drill to most people, I would say. You know, the ability to actually like shoot a moving target with a pistol quickly and get a lot of hits on.
0: Completely different thing um, than shooting just paper. What's it's that? Completely different, completely yeah, different yeah, thing just, than just shooting stationary targets. Yeah.
1: It's just yeah. moving. And a lot of people, I mean number of people that have, you know, maybe been a cop for a while or been shooting for a while that have never really shot a movie target. I mean, that's – that's right. I see that quite a bit, and so that's, that's that's eye-opening. But for the most part, I mean, it's just, you know, the ability to shoot fast and accurately. The, the competition guys – I mean, there's a whole – competing at a high level in anything, you know, there's a whole mindset um, to all that and, and a lot of, like, mental – things that you do affirmations that you tell yourself to, you know, prepare yourself to actually perform under pressure when it counts. Cause it's, it's one thing to be good, but then, you know, you, you go somewhere where everybody's watching, the cameras are rolling, there's money on the line and you got one time to do it it's different. when it counts. And that's different. And there's, uh, you know, that's, that's something that some people don't do so well on. So
0: yeah. I don't
1: know. I spent a lot of time studying that earlier on. I've got some theories on that, but, uh, but yeah. So, so some of the guys at a little bit of a higher level, it's maybe a little bit more of that type of stuff than than the shooting, yeah, but it's it's
0: you know a little, little bit of everything it makes sense. I completely agree with you on the on the whole philosophy of what me, what gets measured gets you know improved. I completely agree with you on that instead of just showing up and you know yeah, blowing a hundred bucks worth of ammo or yeah, it's, it's, nowadays <laughs> yeah, it's crazy
1: it's a lot more. Uh, on how you train than how much you train a lot of people just seem to think that if if i go to the range and spend this much time on the range and shoot this many rounds i will get this much better not at all right you know not at all it's it's how you do it how you're measuring how thorough you are on everything and i've never been i shoot a decent amount but i've never been a guy that shot a lot a lot of rounds so a lot of people think i shoot more than what i do but i've I like to think I've been smart about how I do it and, and measured. And I'm, I'm thinking after pretty much everything I'm doing, okay, what was good, what was bad about that, what could I have changed? And, and then I'm trying to do that the next time instead
0: of just dumping a, a lot of rounds downrange. But yeah, that definitely sounds like the the way to do it. And, you know, your experience has proved that philosophy correct. So where do you normally know do um, these courses in your training?
1: Well, I mean, a little bit everywhere. Obviously, um, besides ones at my place, which are usually the private smaller number of classes, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, sure. you know, where I've been, Florida, Cal- places I typically go the most you know, California, LA area, Florida, Texas, um, Indiana, Michigan. I mean, I've been to a lot of the States. I, I haven't been to all of them for teaching, but I've been, I went to Alaska last year. Um, some, you know, Virginia, Pennsylvania, just. Typically, kind of wherever people reach out to me like, hey, you know, what, what, what would it take for you to set up a class here and, you know, exchange a few emails like yeah, this, this is what it would I would take. And, uh, you know, if they got arranged, we would host it and we agree on things, put it on the calendar. And that's typically how things have gone for me for the most part. There's some places I know where I'll like reach out on my own and like, okay, I'm gonna, I want to do it with this class here. But a lot of it has kind of just been people reaching out to me. And, and I, I've obviously gone back to a lot of the same places a number of times. But wow. uh, pretty, much, pretty much all over. I've been, been to a lot of countries, too. That's other nice. countries, South America, and where, you know, a bunch of countries, South America. I was in Abu Dhabi like three times in the last year, and um, Thailand, and a bunch of other places.
0: What's the, so, what's the coolest range you've ever been to? Uh,
1: coolest range? Man. I'd tell you the one that stands out I was, was in Russia. It was, the, the, the object was the name, and it, it stands out because it was like a, it was kind of like a five-star country club resort, Gun mm-hmm. Range. They, they, they had a restaurant in the range, and, and you know, just yeah, it was just kind of real, kind of high dollar type of, type of thing. It felt like. I was walking into some kind of a country club. It did, you know, most ranges are just their ranges they are, they're a little rough looking. They get the, they get the job done just as good. But that, that was, and that was like six years ago, um, I think. But that was, that one probably stood out for, for that reason, as far as just like, you know, impressive is just what they, what they have there and everything. I mean, stuff is super expensive. Everything gun related was time, whatever it is here, times it by three. Yeah. That's what it was. There.
0: That's pretty cool. Uh, but
1: that was, that was a cool place.
0: Shout out to Russia. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Moscow, Russia. That was, uh, my friend, Saul, he was, Saul uh, he was, uh, where was he from? Estonia or something, but yeah, he's the guy that kind of set that up
0: for me, but yeah. That's, cool. That's awesome, man. Awesome. So my last question, uh, where can people find you, uh, Vogel Dynamics, where can people find you online? Yeah,
1: I mean, just obviously VogelDynamics.com um, dot com is my website, or you can Google my name, Robert Vogel. It should be like the first one that comes up. My contact information is all right on there. Email, my phone number. I mean, I'm not I'm not a hard guy to get a hold of. I and I try I really try to do the best I can about getting back to anybody reaches out to me. I mean, sometimes I don't necessarily see it right away, but uh, yeah, it's not like I'm so super popular that I can't still take the time to to return emails and messages and stuff that people send me. Yeah. So, you got back to us pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I saw, I saw, I think you were in the, the, the request folder on Instagram yeah. or whatever, but I, I saw that. I mean, if, if it's a legitimate question or something, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've always, I've always been pretty open about this stuff. Like this is, I learned earlier on that obviously, you know, any exposure is, is good exposure. So sure. anytime somebody asks me to do some kind of a podcast, or radio thing, I, I've always said, yes. I mean, being, Awesome. If we can work it out of some schedule.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Super cool. So, where can they find you on Instagram? I don't know if you mentioned that. Yeah,
1: Instagram is just Instagram and Facebook is my my name Robert G Vogel. Robert G Vogel. Um yeah, that's what I am on Instagram. So, I, I really have not been on that that long a couple a little over 2 years. I, I I was kind of a little slow to slow to get on some of that, stuff obviously it's it's kind of a necessity, but uh, I am on there and I'm trying to, you know, YouTube too. I got a bunch of stuff on different things on YouTube. So nothing crazy, but I'm trying to be a little bit better about the social media stuff. Cause it's, it's what you got to do these days.
0: Definitely. Man. I was going to say, you got a pretty good little following going on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the on one what? On Instagram. That's the only on one
1: Instagram. One I yeah, that was, it was all right. I, I, uh, the whole build up a little bit over, over time. I mean, I've never done anything crazy, but it's, uh, I had the whole thing with Taryn on there whatever that was that jumped up by i think three or four thousand or something like that pretty pretty quick so that was shout out to him i've known him a
0: long time he's a good guy so awesome man uh well i want to be respectful of your time um thanks so much for hopping on here um and uh you know definitely appreciate you taking the time and hopping on the show okay yeah no problem man i
1: appreciate it you know it's always an honor so uh Best of luck to you. Probably, you know, talk to you down the road somewhere or something like that. Seems like you, ambitious guy, man. Just keep at it.
0: Definitely, man. I appreciate that.